the SF Music Tech Summit, recorded live by Media One Audiovisual. To learn more about us, visit us online at MediaOneAudio.com. Thank you. So up first is Neil Ketkar, and he will be followed by Dave Dieterer and Joe Satriani. So, Neil, you are in, um, a product director for Rovi, and you specialize in the cloud services division. And what we are going to talk about is metadata. And with all the, um, you know, the, the, the glitz and glamour of music and stages and lighting and all the uh, metadata is considerably less sexy of a topic, but it's potentially much, much more important, especially in a digital age. So let's start with just a very simple definition of metadata as you see it and why it's important. Sure, sure. So uh, at, at Rovi, we, we have a long history in metadata. So we have our, the roots of our company are in companies you've probably heard of, TV Guide, AMG, Muse, these are all companies that are now part of Rovi. Uh, and metadata, simply, simply put, is data about the content, really. So it's everything from the basic information, like for, for, a, for, an, for an artist, the name of the artist, to, uh, to more, complete, more, more, more complex or subjective things, like the genres the artist is in, the styles, the moods, the themes, the tones, the images of the artist, uh, the discography of the artist, the, uh, and it can even get down into uh, artists who are similar or who have influenced a certain artist or followed a certain artist. Uh, it gets pretty extensive. So, and this, in the case of Rovi, is, is mostly human-driven, right, as opposed to a c- computer algorithm that's going to dissect songs? How does that work? Sure. So we've, we've actually, so uh, parts of our business, the AMG, all media guide part of our business started in the early 90s, and it was literally... Uh, you know, well, it's now now it's uh, it's uh, our metadata editors are a few hundred people, but it was literally folks in Ann Arbor, Michigan, like college kids and people just out of college, uh, buying every CD, unwrapping it, listening to it, writing down all the track names, uh, scanning the covers, uh, categorizing all the content in a controlled vocabulary so they could be really highly structured, um, uh, and. Uh, and that's something that you know, as good as computers get, uh, can, can get. That's really that was certainly back then. It's, a lot of it was uh, objective, but a lot of it was subjective as well. Uh, and as we move into the as we moved into the digital age, and you know, content availability has kind of exploded. Uh, you know, that need for human for human sort of uh, curation has not really declined. In fact, it, some would argue it's gotten even more. Uh, more necessary, uh, as good as you know, as good as algorithms get around recommendations and things like that. Um, uh, uh, only still to this point, only human, only human will know. For example, that you know, uh, they should recommend, you know, we should recommend this particular piece of content to this user uh, or to users in this in this country because. Uh, uh, of some cultural, you know, some cultural influences. So, for example, when we create recommendations, we actually mix both uh, algorithm, you know, the common algorithms like collaborative filtering, Bayesian analysis, etc. And then we have a constant, basically, quality control cycle of media analysts who are experts in their particular genres of music and who are who are uh, who are uh, 
uh, located in the different cultures that we sell that we sell our services in, who are constantly curating and refining those recommendations, kind of a constant feedback loop. So, in, in your opinion, is this something that will always be out of reach of computer uh, sort of just pure math? Like, it will always require that human element, or is that too hard to predict? Uh, I think it's a little bit hard to predict. I mean, didn't Watson beat the, uh, the human contestants in Jeopardy recently? So, or, uh, so uh, yeah, who knows? But you know, for the for the present and for the foreseeable future, we think that. You know, it's a combination of both technology and humans that kind of will that that are that are required to really give a good user experience. So the, there are uh, a lot of DIY musicians um, at Music Tech and just in general who maybe could learn how do you you know the importance of how you input data and what effect that can have on your success. Do you have any just broad um, advice that you can give to people? Sure. So, so generally speaking, what's I think important for emerging artists to remember is that is actually to note some of the things you said. Metadata is actually really important. So, be you know most important thing is probably be consistent about how you develop and publish your metadata. So, if you're you know be consistent if you're going to you know for example use an ampersand or write out the word and. I mean that sounds trivial, but pick one. And use it consistently wherever you publish content about yourself, whether it's the name of your band, whether it's the tracks uh, that you're that you're selling. That's kind of one important thing. Um, um, another important thing is uh, uh, so to, is, first is to be consistent, and secondly is to um, my second point escaped me. <laughs> but uh, secondly, oh, uh, secondly is to think about how your content is going to be published digitally. So it's not. You know, it's not a, we all know it's not a world about albums uh, as much anymore as it, about, as it is about digital. So think about how, you know, different characters that you use in your metadata or the name of your band or the names of your tracks, think about how those will flow through the ecosystem. Think about how those will flow through search engines and other companies' technology platforms. So even within recommendation platforms, you know, I think of Pandora where you, you know, you enter some, some information once on your, your station Maybe you refine it with some thumbs ups or thumbs downs in, the, in between, but it pretty much is plug and play. But then I think also of sort of slacker, where you've got sort of a, a mood bar. You can say, ah, just give me stuff that I know, or hey, I'm feeling adventurous. Um, what sorts of customization features do you, do you offer and do you like do, that you think are exciting? Sure. So, so first off, we, so customization is really interesting, but also for, for all of the plethora of apps that are out there now and that are getting started, uh, what's important is that those apps can focus on what differentiates their service, whether it's the UI of their application, whether it's the rights that they have. So what we think we offer with our metadata and recommendations platform is basically all the flexibility you need around, around that type of content. So it should be really easy for you to get, we think it should be really easy for you to get all the information that is in all on the allmusic.com website through an API for your application. And so that's what we did when we launched our cloud services platform is basically put out an open API for anybody to access all that data um, with really flexible uh, flexible business models to meet all sorts of use cases. Uh, once you get past that sort of baseline level of functionality, uh, there is a need for, you know, there, there is a need, every service provider is going to want to, uh, wants to differentiate their service. Uh, so, you know, the recommendations that, Service provider A delivers probably they don't have the same same 
same, they don't want the same recommendations and they have reasons for this that service provider B has. So we offer on the back end uh, basically the opportunity for service providers to turn a bunch of knobs. So if, you, if you're a service provider and you have an editorial perspective that says you want uh, new emerging artists to be uh, favored over, um, over uh, catalog types of tracks, then we can tweak the recommendation engine uh, and tweak the results set that you get uh, to focus on that type of content. Or if you if you're a service provider and you have a higher revenue share with a particular provider, uh, we're able to turn knobs on the back end for you to, 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 to uh, slightly turn the weighting in that direction. It does, it's not undermining the quality of the recommendations, uh, but it is uh, giving the opportunity to the service provider to differentiate their service, differentiate their product. Again, we want our customers to be able to focus on their applications, their use cases, their value, uh, and let you know leverage all the investment we've made on data and a you know, massive distribution infrastructure for uh, delivering metadata and recommendations really fast and, uh, and whatnot. So uh, <clears throat> this is going to build up to a question that I want to ask all of the panelists. Um, but in your case, uh, Rovi began as Macrovision in the 90s, so in, in an age that was, that was seeded in physical product. And then this digital revolution happened, right? And now you, you've since... Uh, Rebranded as Rovi and acquired, um, you know, different companies to help you have a great engine for what you do. How is how can you how has that shift from physical to digital um, like affected your, the vision of the company? Sure. So so actually, Macavision started in the eighties and oh, some in the of 80s. our so with uh, uh, VHS protection. If you if you if you remember that, and, and so we started as a company that was all about. Uh, uh, content protection and you know for rights holders so that they could better monetize their content and uh, probably half a dozen years ago or so uh, the management of the company had uh, uh, saw the transition that was happening and coming for from physical to digital and really realized that the place that we need to be was less about content protection and more so about content enablement helping consumers uh, helping our customers users uh, better uh, make it more e make it uh, easier for them to discover and enjoy digital content. So uh, at that after that point, that was really a big change in focus of the strategy of the company. So the company went on a basically went on a uh, went on to a series of acquisitions uh, focused around focused around that goal. So we acquired, like I mentioned, companies like TV Guide, not just companies like we acquired TV Guide, we acquired AMG, we acquired Muse. Last year we acquired a recommendations company. Uh, uh, called Media Unbound. Uh, this year, we acquired an online video metadata aggregator called SideReel.com. Uh, so I, I have to imagine that all these companies had different ways of, of accounting for metadata that you then, your company, had to reconcile. Is that the case? Uh, absolutely. And we had to bring all the, and we're in the process still of some of those entities, bringing all that metadata together so that the metadata product can improve, so that the recommendations products can improve. Sounds like fun work uh, to, to do that, but important work nonetheless. Yes, it's, it's a lot of people, you know, some people say that the metadata business is a, is a great business. It, it's a, frankly, it's a hard business, and that's why there's not too many companies who, who do it. To do it well, we require a lot of manpower. We require a lot of expertise in the content that we're, that we're curating. Um, but the exciting part for me running, running our cloud services group is when you see, when, you, when, you open, when we open up the API and we see uh, new customers launching basically every week, we're launching commercial applications, uh, and the traction that they're getting uh, and the speed to market, speed to which they're able to reach the market 
it's just uh, it's just really uh, impressive and really exciting for us. Great. Um, at this point, uh, we'll open it up after each after each interview for anybody that has questions. Or if there are any app developers in the audience or anybody who has uh, specific questions about um, metadata, um, we can certainly pass the microphone around. But uh, that does not seem to be the case. Um, any any parting thoughts? Uh, so I would just say, you know, our, again, our focus is around, in our cloud services area especially, is around putting control and putting our data and our recommendations and search technology in the hands of developers. Uh, it's free to try. Uh, there's, a, there's a pretty, pretty liberal uh, free non-commercial use uh, terms. Anyone can get them, developer.rovicorp.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing all the cool applications. Well, since, since you brought it up, uh, what is your monetization uh, we have a, we actually have a number of different business models. So uh, and we we've always had this. We're, we really our business models focus. It, it, business models often sort of parallel the business models of our customers. So we have uh, everything from uh, kind of a util, uh, really a utility based model based on per thousand API calls per month uh, to per unit models that our consumer electronics manufacturers utilize to flat fees. Uh, to, that some of our larger customers use to per subscriber per month that some of our cable operators use. Companies use. Great. Well, thank you very much, thank Neil. You. I appreciate it. Thanks. Give him a hand.